This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home. For Sporting Kansas City Sports Radio 810 WHB and wherever you get your podcasts. No video streaming today, ladies and gentlemen, because for the first time since the before times... I, Ali Trost, and Carter Augustine are in the same room. Instead of looking at a Zoom of one another, we are looking face-to-face in the glorious Sports Radio A10 studios. We do plan to resume video streaming of this show at some point, but actually, hopefully much more often in person now. It is so good to see your faces. Ali, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, just going from seeing Carter in a little screen for the last year plus or over the phone, and now we're all in person. It's great, though. Uh, Happy to be moving towards this and not learning Zoom for the first time, which was an interesting experience for all of us. Yeah, had to shower, (laughs) so that's interesting. There's a downside to everything. There's a downside, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) no, it's, you know, hopefully uh, more and more of this, right, all over the place and, you know, hope on the horizon and it's really good to see your guys' faces in person. Well, all of us have had at least some of our shots. Have we all had all of our shots here? Some of our shots? Not um, yet. Okay, not yet. You, okay, I've ha- I shouldn't speak for everyone else then. We have it's a okay. plexiglass barrier here just we for do. the audience at home if they're wondering. But I have, I have. been fully vaccinated. Carter has. Yep. Allie will get there at some point. Um, and the team got there. More on that in a moment. I want to lay out the menu for the show today. First of all, it's match week. Finally. Uh, we, we have soccer ready to be played for Sporting Kansas City as they will take on the New York Red Bulls 7 o'clock on Saturday night right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB on, on Bally Sports Kansas City. Um, so we're going to get into that. We're going to dive into this match against the Red Bulls and preview this season coming up 2021. Uh, we are going to sit down as today, today, is the 25th anniversary of the first ever match in franchise history when the Wiz took on the Rapids, which led to all sorts of wonderful jokes uh, when those two teams were <laughs> were facing off. The Rapids, uh, yes. the Wiz, the Burn, you know, was was involved at that time as well. When you have the Wiz and the Burn, it really made for some interesting matchups. But anyway, that matchup was the first in uh, in this franchise's history, and it happened 25 years ago today. And a guy that was there and has been a part of the franchise ever since, Rob Thompson, they call him Robo. Uh, I did a sit-down interview with him out at Compass Minerals uh, training uh, complex earlier today, and uh, we relived that moment. I'll let everybody know, coming up at 8 o'clock on SportingKC.com, you can watch that game again. And one of the things that, that was cool that came out of the pandemic, we last year did this pop-up video-style re-airing of the game with all kinds of interesting statistics and nuggets and things about what was actually going on in the world 25 years ago and other just interesting things about the teams and the games. Uh, so you can watch that on SportingKC.com. We interviewed all kinds of players that were involved in the game and coaches and all that, and little clips of theirs will pop up through the course of the video as well. So that's a cool thing you can do tonight, and we'll preview that with Rob Thompson coming up on the show. 
We're going to talk a little Champions League as it was a great first week of Champions League for MLS pretty much across the board and the second leg of those matches is taking place one of them already in the books tonight another one coming up and a couple more over the next couple of days so we'll talk some Champions League is this the year we always ask that question every year is this the year that an MLS team finally uh, will win it Uh, we'll see it looks good for them to at least all advance to the next round Um, and and we'll talk about that Uh, and also as I said Allie Sporting KC a big, a big thing to me yesterday that they put out there that the team uh, took the step toward getting vaccinated yesterday. They did, and after the fact, manager Peter Vermees gave a couple of remarks following uh, getting his, his shot. So here's Peter Vermees talking about the COVID vaccine and just how great it was for the team to get vaccinated. I would like to thank Price Chopper, one of our great partners. Um, They helped us today get all of our uh, players vaccinated. Obviously, this is a, uh, as we all know, it's a very difficult time. And and the faster we all can get vaccinated, hopefully we can get back to our normal lives. So um, it was a tremendous opportunity for us that Price Chopper provided. And I'm so grateful that our players could take advantage of it. And I hope we can get back to some normalcy. So again, thank you and uh, look forward to uh, a great year. So, yeah, there's Peter Vermees, and shout-out to uh, Price Chopper for getting the job done for the for the guys. And, and then after, Roger Espinoza and Graham Zussi also weighed in as well on getting their shots. Yeah, I'm, I'm super appreciative that uh, I was able to get vaccinated today. Um, shout-out to Price Chopper for, for setting us up. Um, I just encourage anyone who's, who's eligible to, to get vaccinated at this point, which is uh, – Almost everyone at this point, uh, all adults, and especially in the in the Kansas City area, um, to go out there and, and get your shot. Um, you know, another huge thank you to to all the healthcare workers out there who who made this possible. Um, I, I I understand how much work it has gone into this uh, this disease, and um, and uh, yeah, just a, a big thank you to to all healthcare workers out there. No, I just want to say thank you to Price Shopper uh, for being able to give us the vaccine. Uh, you know, glad that now I have it, and it's great that uh, you know every adult and in, in the state of Missouri is, is able to get it. Um, you know, I'm just very happy that uh, uh, we're coming to the end of this, and everybody's going to be able to to move along and and live their normal life, hopefully. Great to hear from both Graham and uh, and Roger and. You know, I don't know about you, Carter. For me, it was an emotional moment when I got my first shot and when I got my second shot. And uh, after everything that's gone on over the past year, um, for so many reasons, but we're here on the Sporting Kansas City show, I will say, to be able to, to, to picture having a full stadium again at some point. You feel like these every time somebody gets their, their vaccination, you're a step closer. And for the players, you know, I would point out that it doesn't – I don't know. I, I almost feel like we start to forget this right now. But just a couple of weeks ago, Major League Baseball had their first game of the year postponed because of an outbreak on one of the teams. So to start getting teams vaccinated, I know it's not 100% guarantee and all that, but, boy, doesn't it make you feel so much more optimistic about those days of having the Colorado Rapids lose however many games it was in a row because of an outbreak on their team? Like, we should be hopefully putting that in the rearview mirror here very soon. Yeah, hopefully so with, like you said er- – more and more players on more and more teams getting vaccinated is good for their communities and, and good for um, the sport progressing and hopefully to avoid those cancellations. I know in Argentina they've had a bunch of 
really big issues with their uh, with their teams having COVID nineteen um, breakouts at, at this moment in time, and so it's still out there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a very very positive step forward. Yeah, and just also great too. I mean, we talked you guys on this show via Zoom with so many different players last year, and especially during the the most uncertain point where the MLS's back tournament hadn't even you know come to fruition quite yet, and, and there was that concern for for players not really knowing what they were putting themselves you know many of us got the you know had the luxury of working from home or broadcasting from home and and athletes all over the country and all over the world were putting themselves out there and there there was a risk associated with that so i think that this is not just one step closer to having fans back in the stands which is you know going to be i can't even i'll probably cry i'll be honest i'll tear up i am a very emotional person so i know like just how anxious i am for that but i'm also really relieved for the players that they, you know, have the opportunity to maybe have a little bit more peace of mind going home to their families at night and not having as much concern. Well, speaking of, of being an emotional person and crying um, <laughs> at things, I don't know about you. Have you ever cried at a kit launch before, <laughs> either of you guys? I've cried at some weird things, Nate. Like, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. Like, every now and then the national anthem will just, like, you know, they, they someone singing it will strike a yeah, chord that's sure. just, like, yeah. where you see, like, some fireworks go up at the stadium. And you're just like, oh. You yeah, know, it just kind of gets you. The look on Carter's face tells me absolutely not. I mean, any- I've cre- <laughs> cried at some weird things. Uh, kit launch. I, know, I don't know I, about a kit launch. I'm going to admit, I cried at the kit launch this year. The Sporty Kansas City kit launch got me. When I watched that video... And it just the the first of all, what the kit's going to be this year with yeah. the Victory Project and uh, yeah. you know Force for Good. Um, by the way, I, I encourage everybody to tune in to our pregame show on Saturday because I'm I'm going to do a sit down interview with Jake Reed where we really lay out the four pillars of the 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 Force for Good. And this is the first time in MLS history that the the jersey uh, sponsor is going to be a philanthropic arm. Um, and, and it's the Victory Project. If you haven't seen it, the new kits are, by the way, they're, they're kick-ass, aren't they, Carter? They are. They look great on the on the players, for sure. I think everyone's seen the, yeah. the photos going around. Mm-hmm. And they look so good. And the video like mm-hmm. that they created helping announce it. Like, Okay, yeah. I didn't cry, but major I got goosebumps. It too. I, major goosebumps. goosebumps, for sure. Goosebumps, Chills. for sure. I mean, the Victory Project, like you said, the first time a, a philanthropic organization will Which be is on. kind of shocking. It is a little it? bit, yeah. yeah. I, you know, you shout out to Barcelona. You remember yeah. when they put UNICEF, UNICEF on, yeah. on, their, mm-hmm. on their shirts a while back and um, I think it's a really cool thing that uh, that the club and, and Victory Project have done this year, and, and you know what a way to represent Kansas City as well out on the pitch. There's a couple things for me. I mean, number one, the kids involved. When when you work for Sporting long enough, you end up doing enough events at Children's Mercy and coming face to face with enough of these kids that are battling cancer, and you see the connection they have with the players on the team. You know, when the pl- when the when the fans in the cauldron chant the players, that that gets me every time when they when they chant the young person's name who's sitting in the victory seat, and then when they they incorporated the uh, healthcare professionals in you know in the whole situation, that hits me close to home. My wife's a healthcare professional. Some of the things that she's dealt with over the past calendar year, uh, just they kind of blow me away. And now that I guess you get this perspective of a little bit of distance from those moments, and then you look back on them. They hit me a little bit harder, too. So for those that don't know, the four pillars of what the Force for Good are are about are strengthening and and deepening Sporting Kansas City and Children's Mercy's relationship when it comes to helping kids who are battling cancer. The Sporting Wishes program, which is for kids who've had a relapse of cancer, uh, granting them a second wish. Um, Usually when you have a a cancer relapse, it's, it's devastating news. And 
Um, they've, they've sent kids to Hawaii to see a volcano. They've, they've done all these incredible things for kids. So that's awesome. And then soccer for all kids, expanding the game, the access to the game. To, so it's not just a rich kid sport, you know, playing at the club level and all that. Uh, getting it to the kids who, who want to play but can't afford to. And then the final part of that, the, the Sporting Community Kitchen, um, which, is, uh, which is a great program as well. And we're going to keep talking more and more about that. But I did want to shout that out. Yeah. And I just thought of it when you mentioned the tier thing, you know, getting teared up by things. Because that hit me pretty hard with the jersey launch. When the game opens up, the home opener... We're going to have, I think, about three times as many fans as we were able to have last year. And then hopefully that number just keeps – get your vaccines, folks, if you can, because we want to get that – want to get be, back to having a full stadium someday. I'm so excited. Just having been out to, you know, a few games when they did the return to market play and sporting allowed, you know, a reduced capacity. I was impressed. Like, shout out to, you know, SKC Nation. So loud, brought, yeah. like, a ton of energy yeah. despite mm-hmm. the fact that there were so many empty seats. So – and the other thing, too – People, I think many forget this. I forget this at times. Last year at Media Day was the launch of all these amazing new community-inspired, um, you know, concessions, concessions, yeah. and all of these different things to revamp yeah. the CMP experience. And so, you know, hopefully more people now get to experience that as they should have last year. But I'm really excited about that yeah, too. Hopefully so. And just uh, you can go to victorykc.org, of course, if you want to to learn more. Just to pump the the website because that is yeah. cool. Um, and kind of to bring things full circle. Have you guys read the Times article about the the Hungarian immigrant that helped create the the, the stuff that's used in these vaccines? No, that no. brought wow. me brought me tears to my eyes. It's a, a, a lady called uh, Katy Koriko. So just search New York Times Hungarian mRNA. It's the new that new you know you hear the mRNA stuff going all around. Mm-hmm. So it's a little mm-hmm. science nerdy, but she is a hero and um it's a really really cool story and it kind of ties everything together like she's an immigrant as well yeah. to the states and she's worked tirelessly for 40 years and um just would recommend that as well how about shout, uh, <laughs> shout out to hungarian immigrants like peter vermee's dad for bringing us <laughs> exactly. the you know the the uh the man that's that's led this franchise for so long um so so great stuff there okay we'll transition over now to a little Broader ranging stuff as the season is getting ready to start in Major League Soccer and the progression continues. I feel like over the past, since the since the TAM era started, every year, Carter, you and I have this talk of, man, sporting's better, but how much better did, did their rate of improvement keep up with or exceed the rate of improvement of all the teams around the league because everybody's better and that's just been happening every year don garber spoke this week ali what did he have to say about that situation when it comes to the market now during the middle of a pandemic yeah so he he spoke a lot about where the transfer market is as it stands which like you mentioned i mean we've come a long way in mls but he was talking about too it's still got a ways to go and there's a lot of potential with the progressions that they can make as far as the transfer market is concerned I tell you, Charlie, and I, I remember making that comment. I didn't expect it to sort of become the theme of that press conference. But we've been thinking for many years that you have to have a balance of buying and selling. And we were mostly a buying league. And I think that spoke to where MLS was in the lifespan of, of player development. Now you have every team with their academy and facilities, and that's creating infrastructure, infrastructure with programming, our relationship with the French Federation that allowed us to train our, our uh, coaches better bringing in Frenlipe from, uh, from the French Federation to help run development, having incredible development programs with great coaches 
is creating the dynamic that we have now and looked at the stories of the players that you just mentioned. So I think it is one of the most important developments in the history of men's professional soccer. I still think we're in the first phase of it, call it the first half. You're gonna see more uh, in the years to come. You know, I think uh, who would have thought that Daryl, by the way, DK came out of the draft, that draft that nobody thinks is as important as it used to be. And I will say right now that that's a $20 million player. And that's a guy that I hope uh, we could even set new records, a record that goes even beyond what we were able to achieve with Alfonso Davies in showing how great players are coming through our system. And the best is yet to come for sure. Daryl DK, for those that don't know, is scoring goals by the bagful in the English championship level right now for a team that is very likely to get promoted. But, uh, yeah, there is t- – I mean, that $20 million price tag is getting thrown around. Teams like yeah. Everton supposedly are very interested. Carter, are you surprised, by the way, by what he's doing in England right now? Uh, yeah, I would say pleasantly surprised. You know, they, they took a loan on him, and he's gone over there and has lit the thing on fire. To be fair, he came – in right away for Orlando and was a beast last mm-hmm. year as well. So mm-hmm. um, credit, yeah, I think you have to credit him for the desire and, and what he's you know made for himself here. And it's kind of funny hearing the the commissioner of a league try and raise the price market of uh, of, a, <laughs> of a player of a particular team. Um, but you know, you heard Don Garber there talk about how I think he was among the people at the head of MLS that didn't view the league as a selling league early mm-hmm. early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've come around. Well, and, and, and now I you mean, see it is. And with the growth of the academies, like that's going to be such a huge part moving forward. It's not just about players who come in and, you know, make again, it, it helps take MLS from being a buying league to a selling league with players who are just going to some of the best leagues in the in the world and playing at such a high level, which just then elevates the you know perception of MLS worldwide, which is the goal. And in 25 years, it's pretty impressive to see how far they've come and just the the track in which you know this league is on yeah and i, I every time this to- topic comes up i always bristle at the concept of as if you're one or the other yeah 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 you're either yeah. a buying league or you're a selling league well it seems to me like sporting kansas city bought alan Polito, and they might sell jean luca busio someday yeah. you know that there's it's a transactional situation mm-hmm. in almost every league in the world is is somewhere on that spectrum um and and i guess to go to the next point here uh, we, we keep trying to to have that measuring stick of where does MLS stack up compared to the rest of the yeah. league. Carter, were you going to make a point? I was going to make a point I, on yeah. Alan Polito. Uh, he was on a uh, like a roundtable today with Andres Perea of Orlando City and Bebelo Reynoso of Minnesota, and all three of those guys were saying, you know, players from around the world kind of look at MLS differently now. To your point, it's not mm-hmm. just a selling league, but it's it's good that. MLS can sell young players, but we're also benefiting by bringing in Alan Polito, by bringing in guys like Reynoso from South America, ton of young South American talent that is coming here mm-hmm. to light up the league. And they uh, help, and those guys yep. help sell it to the next players that might want to come here too by by having success and showing that, hey, this isn't just a great place to play. It's a great place to live, or depending on where you are. I mean, the fact that Kansas City has been able to bring so many different players in to what you know i think on the global scale might just be middle of nowhere in you know smack dab usa uh it's pretty cool so yeah and as we just talked about the level of the league has been Mm -hmm. rising like you said nate every single year for it seems the last at least five to ten years yeah and the the concept of the retirement league thing is there might still be the uh, the occasional player here or there who looks at it that way 
but all those guys you just mentioned are in their 20s. Yep. You know, they're still in the prime, some of them in the ascendancy of their career, some of them right smack in the prime of their career, including the, the two guys sporting Kansas City just brought in from Turkey, uh, the, the, you know, the Frenchman and Remy Walter and then E.C. Eastmont Marine, um, who I spoke with today, by the way, and he told me the first thing was, man, I was surprised when I got here at the facilities, at the professionalism of the club, at the quality of play on the field. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I think that the surprise is starting to not be there as much because word does travel. But I think for a lot of players, they still get here and they go, oh, man, oh, this is this is how they're doing business here. This is this is the real deal. And so that's certainly a positive. Now, the next step. Can you win Champions League? Damn it! You know, like, can and look. I, I think um, I, I heard the point being made uh, by Matt Doyle of 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 the you know MLS Extra Time podcast, making the point that that's not the only way to judge progress. By the way, in this competition, the more teams from MLS advance further in this competition, things like that also show progress. But ultimately. What everybody wants to see is can can an MLS team Titles finally talk, win Nate. this thing? Titles yeah. talk, yeah. but and and Don Garber spoke about that today and just the Concacaf Champions League. You know his expectations and what his hopes are for that competition moving forward as far as MLS teams that are competing in it. You know I think international competition has always been important, Charlie. And I've said you know very honestly, you know we've got to do better in the Champions League. You know we came close with with Montreal, we came close with Atlanta, we came close with with LAFC. We got to win that tournament and you know, look what Tigris did being able to play in the final and that world stage. And I, and I think that's something that MLS deserves. And, and I think we need to continue to invest in that. The schedule always creates problems for us, but look what just happened in this last round. You know, we did better away than ever before in the history of the league. We've got some more games uh, coming up this week. I'd like to see us get into the final again. I'd like to see us winning. I'd like to see us performing against the world's best in an expanded, soon-to-be-expanded World uh, Club Championship, FIFA's big club event. So it's important, and I hope that we continue to do well. And, Carter, uh, we have a result in already tonight. Atlanta with a win to advance over Alajuelense, which is easy for you to say. Wow. Um, well <laughs> and Portland right now is uh, is in battle with theirs. But that uh, Atlanta game might not have been one of the more interesting ones to watch considering some of the things that happened leading up to it. Doesn't sound like it. And, of course, this might be a sore subject for sporting fans if you think about the qualification process. Um, yeah. There wasn't an Open Cup held. And so people thought sporting by winning the West would get this spot that Atlanta is occupying. Instead, the Open Cup kind of – took their ball and went home and said they're just going to give it to Atlanta again for winning it two years ago, which... Which is I, crazy. I, it seems like it recency seems usually, you know, reigns supreme in these situations. So I, it, that surprised me for I sure. I thought they would have rewarded teams for playing through the pandemic year personally. Then. And finishing atop their conference, yeah. you know, it, above it, all It's else, an interesting so. one. But then you saw the, uh, the pandemic play a part in this series because Alahuluense didn't... Uh, register some players in time to get them in the states. They brought over a youth squad in Atlanta uh, advances. But you, interesting, guys, you heard Garber there allude to the expansion of the Club World Cup mm -hmm. to come, and there's rumors that it's going to be in the United States here in a few years in a much expanded format. So Also great for the league. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just things like that that really help take it to the next level. So that's really exciting. You know, and, and I don't know if this has come across the wrong way, but after 
what happened to sporting season after the last time they were in the Champions League. Yeah. I'm kind of good just watching some other teams make a deep run in it this year because sporting does have the League's Cup coming up later in the year yeah. as well anyway. So um, I just want to see sporting go out there and have a great regular season and get back into maybe you know competing for some of these trophies around here. We'll get back to the Champions League you know, at some other point in time. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to celebrate the 25-year anniversary of the first game ever for this franchise, the KC Wiz at the time with Rob Thompson. Right after this, as we continue, we're presented by the great taste of Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, and wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening as, uh, again, this is a special anniversary edition of the show because today marks the 25th anniversary of the first ever MLS game featuring the Kansas City Wiz at the time and a guy who was there and has basically been there for every step of the, the evolution of this franchise since affectionately known as Robo around the office. Rob Thompson joins us. Robo, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Nate. Thanks for having me. So what, what is the first memory that comes back to your mind when you think about uh, opening day 25 years ago? So, well, you know, it was a much different le- game, league, sport back then. I mean, the, you know, I don't know if people know this, but they were tinkering with rules even up a month before the season started, the first the first ever season, you know, one of the rules they wanted to use potentially was a bigger goal, uh, <laughs> and, and that's something that's crazy to think about. Um, thankfully, they did not do that, but thinking that we score more goals and, and whatnot. But you saw the shootouts. Uh, I was a big fan of the shootouts. Yeah. Uh, I think it was it was fun. Um, you know, maybe not in a in a league setting, but uh, uh, back then it was uh, a labor of love. I mean, I think the biggest difference was uh, the players that played in the team. Um, loved soccer and they were passionate for it the salaries were terrible uh the amenities were terrible uh, facilities were bad i mean it was you know people had smiles on their faces because they played the sport they loved in america and um you know that's irreplaceable but it, it set the groundwork for you know 25 years the evolution as you said has been fantastic and and uh you know the exciting thing for for this sport and this league is the ceiling is still very high but uh we've made tremendous strides uh, had to start somewhere and and we know that first group of of players and, and coach ron newman uh, was a great thing for Kansas city um lamar hunt uh being a visionary and all he's done uh, bringing the club here and, and really saying you know Kansas city needs to be a, a charter member of this league um you know, set the, set the tone for the city in, in many ways and, and has brought sports together for many ones, created so many memories over the years. And, and uh, you know, it's hard to quantify 25 years, but you had to start somewhere, and it was a great place to start just, uh, you know, seeing smiles on people's faces um, from, from the coach on, on down. It's, it strikes me that we're sitting here doing this interview from Compass Minerals, this world-class training facility, um, you know, and, and talking to some of the new players on the team, uh, listening to them talk about how surprised they are and blown away by the facilities. These are guys that have played at some of the biggest clubs in, in other parts of the world that are amazed by the facilities here. And, and we're talking about what it was like 25 years ago. We'll, we'll get to that evolution here in a minute. But I want to remind all of our listeners as well that coming up at 8 o'clock tonight, uh, there's going to be a live stream on SportingKC.com, a a pop-up video style replay of that game with 
conversations from players that played in the game, coaches that were involved, interesting tidbits. In fact, it was something we did last year during the, the pandemic. We were trying to find content to put out there, so people can definitely watch that tonight, and it'll be cool. Um, this, the, the Wiz won that game 3 nothing. And I'm curious, like, did, how important was that? Was that because I remember the first game out here at Children's Mercy Park that ended nil nil, and talking to people in the organization afterwards, they're like, "Man, that was the last thing we needed was nil nil." Even though the, the the opening day was this amazing sellout crowd and everything, did the result matter that much back then? Was it more just about pulling this thing off and getting it to work? What do you remember about that aspect of it? I don't think it was the score that mattered as much. Winning always cures a lot of things in in our world, but you know, I think it was the start of. Um, with digital Takawira scoring and doing the digital crawl. You know, finding an allegiance to a player and finding a common ground and see joy and the passion that, that soccer players have to bring passion in, into our fans, it started then, um, and, and it carried over for, for many of the former players, whether it was Preki, obviously, um, Sean Bowers. Um, you know, we've had a lot of players over the years, Mark Chung uh, from, the, from the early time that, that, that loved soccer and, and had that passion. But I think it showed a different celebration. I mean, I think you could, you know, back then other sports were more stoic maybe in, in soccer, uh, scoring a goal. There's no, other, there's no better feeling than scoring a goal. Um, and so you can see that joy. And so I think that, you know, we, we put billboards up of digital after that. And, and you know, it's carried over through the years, I said, of, of uh, fans having allegiance toward, toward players. And we've seen that for countless players um, 25 years and and you know digital scoring that that first goal was um you know was a great a great way to, to kick off the the, the career of, of the whiz so you um that that's one of your main jobs right is to help amplify that th- those personalities and help them connect with the fans of this town and and obviously you, the players have to cooperate they gotta they gotta be willing to to do some of the stuff that you've asked them to do and all that but i'm curious how has that job evolved for you in terms of trying to get digital to become a household name in Kansas City versus now you've got an Alan Polito, you know, on your team and guys like that. How different has the job gotten for you over all these years? Well, you know, it's funny to say from this from this vantage point, but one of the better things that happened in the evolution was when we started getting critiqued. Back then we could do no wrong. No, It, it was like taboo to say anything negative about us or our players. I mean, everything was so nice and, and friendly, but, you know, it was, it was kind of boring questions. People didn't know how to ask soccer questions. So anytime we did interviews, it's what's your favorite barbecue? And, and you know, we've, we have evolved certainly from that. And, and as a media base, as a fan base, as a club of, of being soccer savvy and, and not answering those redundant kind of boring questions. But, you know, I remember a time that we were critiqued about a game. And I remember thinking like, that was, that was great. That was probably, you know, 10 years into our existence. Um, but you need to have that to, you know, we need to be held accountable for stuff that we need to answer questions, but we were, the kid gloves were off of us and that was important. But, uh, we've always had great players. I mean, I can, I can't think of hardly any players through the course of this, of this club's history that have been bad eggs. They've all represented the club very well, the city well, and the sport. So that's kind of always been true. And so it's been made my job so much easier to have great servants and, and great players that, that were again, embodied all the, all the stuff that, that we do as a, as a club and Peter Vermes does as a, as a coach. So um, that has not changed. That's the one thing that's been constant. Uh, I still keep in contact with a lot of those former guys, and they have a strong uh, you know, tie to one another from, from this. And uh, so it's fun to, to, to catch up with them. Certainly. So, yeah, and, and, and I would say that uh, the guys you have now are easy to work with. They're fun. You know, they're, they're, they're all the things that you just mentioned, but they're – they're also getting started at such an early age. Like you're, you're, you're bringing, you're, you're coaching up 
young teenagers now and teaching them how to deal with the media and all that. How different has that gotten? So we did media training again. We do it every year in, in preseason. So we were in Arizona for a month and, and took the young guys and did a day of media training. And, and um, they do. They, they need it. They, they need the media <laughs> training. They get, I think people now are very conscientious. Um, and, and so that's a, that's a good quality to have. But we also want them to open up and, and be themselves. That's something we've always um, kind of have taught here at, at Sporting um, over the years. But to be you know, authentic. Uh, that, that's so important because that does resonate with people and, and that's how Kansas City is. We want people that are real and again, having, having the players we've had here, you know, it, when, we're, when we're recruiting players to, to come here um, you know, from all the countries, we have players from so many different countries and have represented I mean, hundreds of countries over the history of, a, of the players in our club. You know, if they Google Kansas or, or Missouri or Kansas City you know, they, they can go down a path that doesn't look very fun to leave a Barcelona or a London or a Paris to come. So the players that do come here usually have the same things I've talked about. They love soccer, um, and they're usually uh, good, wholesome people. You know, they're not the ones that say, oh, I just want to go to MLS. I want to just go, I'm just going to New York or Miami or L.A. You know, it's, it's, we do have to battle that a lot, and, and you know, it makes Peter Vermes, Brian Bliss, and the coaching staff and the technical staff work extra hard to – to get these players here. But the ones that come, like, for example, Alan Polito um, has come to this city and embraced it. Um, he's very personable. He does – he's, in fact, right now, uh, the t- earlier today, um, did another two-hour interview um, for us, and he has done, he's done everything we've asked of him. Um, and that is rare. People don't understand that is rare for players in this league that have a – maybe a higher pedigree and come from different countries that, that don't maybe do as much media. So it's always been the same. As I said, it makes my job easier. You know, again, we always want to promote our players and put them in the best light, but really to create memories and have fans really find an attachment to, to them is, is essential. Okay, so the reason, again, we're talking with Robo is because this is the 25th anniversary of the first game uh, that uh, this franchise ever played against the Colorado Rapids, two of the, you know, the, the original franchises from Major League Soccer. And you referenced earlier some of the rules that were being kicked around, like leading up to the, the very first game itself. Is there any rule? Like, do you wish that, would you like to see the shootout come back? Like, I'm, it's, it's funny because I think it got mocked for a long time, and it almost seems like it's coming back around from that nostalgia standpoint. I, every once in a while I hear people say, you know, it'd be kind of cool to do something like that again. Is that far-fetched? Is there any rule or anything like that that you're kind of uh, nostalgic for? Um, I do like the shootout. I mean, one thing that was bantered about was no offside. Which is which is absurd. I mean, I, I, you'd have people running around all over the place. It wouldn't yeah. make any sense, and and it just it doesn't. It's not applicable to when these guys go to you know represent their countries or, or play um, other clubs in, in different competitions. So um, that, thank goodness that rule didn't didn't stick. But um, and the clock used to count up. We used to have all these different little quirks to Americanize the game, and, and I, thankfully we, you know, the, it's the world's game. I mean, it's mm-hmm. we, we we play it just like everyone else, and and. Um, you know, the league has gotten so much better. But I, I would say um, I'm thankful for where, where we are. I mean, I, I, you talked earlier, you know, facilities is, is one of the biggest differences. Uh, you alluded to the early days. You know, we used to have we, – we initially trained at Swope um, before we uh, – the new iteration of Swope. But uh, there was one shower that worked. <laughs> so you showered in order of um, age. And so the oldest guy got to go first, and by the time I got the youngest guy, the water was always clogged up, so it was, it was kind of taking a gross bath halfway <laughs> up, your, up your waist. And so, Probably out of hot water. They, too. Yeah, so, I mean, if our equipment guy didn't get this stuff done uh, before dark, he had to sleep there um, overnight. 
the rats would, would come in um, every morning. The, the chairs in there were old, ripped-out van chairs. That's what, that's what the players sat on. I mean, you, people have no idea. The players here, because Peter and I and Carries of Agden, some guys have been around for a long time, you know, always shake our heads. These guys have no idea what it, what it was like in the old days um, of this labor of love. Uh, uh, you know, we, we went to, when we go to Dallas, uh, the, you know, this is one of our first trips, um, we trained the training. We didn't have a training pla- place to train, so we used a park, um, a public park, and, and the cops came and, and tried to arrest our coach for being on private property. I mean, so there's endless stories of, of the, you can't say glory days, the <laughs> olden days um, of, of just trying to get this thing off the ground. In fact, we, we played in Tampa Bay, we used to have a team, the Tampa Bay Mutiny, and we played at Raymond Jane Stadium. So we would go the day before and, and train in that stadium, and there was a pirate ship in the back of the of the field mm-hmm. um and so all the players during training would just try, try to hit the pirate ship uh so uh you know 10 minutes of the game there's a, a volley and we miss hit a little bit hit the pirate ship and the, and the players all ran together and started celebrating <laughs> so that, that just wouldn't happen now um like if you you know if you hit a shot this 20 yards over the goal and it, and it flies and it hits something players aren't going to celebrate they're going to go back and and try to do it again uh so it, it's just there's stories like that that are just that, that completely differentiate the two eras of, of this league. Well, it's great catching up with you, Robo. And, and again, I'll encourage everybody here just in a matter of minutes at 8 o'clock. If you go to SportingKC.com, you can watch the stream. You can hear stories from Robo and players and coaches that were a part of that whole uh, process. And it is really crazy. It's stunning when you watch back to see uh, how far it's it's come here in Kansas City. And, and, and that just kind of also makes you realize that, that it can keep going further and further. So thank you so much for the time, Robert. We really appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me on. All right, that's Rob Thompson. We're going to take a break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll get ready to break down the upcoming MLS schedule for Sporting Kansas City as Allie and Carter rejoin me right here. We are just days away from the season, season opener for Sporting Kansas City right here on the Sporting Kansas City Show. We're back to wrap things up on another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we are presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy a Michelob Ultra today. Uh, Guys, before we move on to this match coming up against the New York Red Bulls on Saturday... I'm taking a look at the most beautiful coffee table book maybe that I've ever seen in my life. It's entitled One Club, the first 25 years of Major League Soccer in Kansas City. Carter, you worked on this thing quite a bit. This was quite an undertaking, and I understand the season ticket holders, uh, the the season ticket members, uh, receiving a copy of of this book right here that I hold in my hands. Yeah, um, I played a very small part in the book, so shouts out to a lot of people, Courtney Park and Chad Reynolds mostly kind of driving this thing. They wanted um, they wanted something special for uh, the season ticket members, especially, you know, celebrating 25 years, um, as well as just, you know, a special gift to thank uh, season ticket members for, for everything they do. So um, there's a, there is a lot in there. Um, I, I think we have something like 12 or 15 um, – former players slash coaches that tell their own story of being in Kansas City in their words in the book. There are beautiful pictures throughout. Um, it is a – I know they put they poured so much 
blood, sweat, and tears into this thing, um, and I think it turned out phenomenally. And I, I think I think sporting fans are going to be really, really happy with this thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to cracking it open myself. Yeah, Ali, you and I were leafing through it earlier. I can't wait to read the whole thing. Well, and I remember hearing about this project, and and not that I mean blew my expectations out of the water because I was like coffee table book. I mean, this is going to be the most thorough, comprehensive book of sporting's history and it probably mm-hmm. contains a lot of you know stories and tidbits that a lot of you know season ticket members who i'm sure have been fans of this club for quite some time might not have known and yep. and i just think like there's going to be a lot of a lot of great stuff to uncover in there so i'm excited to read it and now the next chapter of sporting kansas city begins on saturday seven o'clock at the new york red bulls and first off guys it is an interesting quirk to this schedule this is going to be an incredibly unbalanced schedule almost all Western Conference opponents, except for three during the entire season. And two, the first two games out of the shoot are Eastern Conference foes, and then only one more the rest of the entire year. So it starts off at uh, New York Rebels. What do you think of that schedule, Carter? Do you, I, I'm not, a, I don't know. Well, I'll ask you first. What do you, what do you think of it? Uh, yeah, I understand they're still kind of dealing with COVID and everything. So I, I guess I understand what they've done, but. It's weird to have just two or three in sporting. Sporting, sporting is the one, or two, I think there's two Western Conference teams that have a different schedule than the others, mm-hmm. and they play three Eastern Conference teams instead of two. The rest of the teams play two. It's just a little weird. It seems, um, I don't know. It it, it always seems like the Western Conference games do mean more, as as you were saying, Nate, earlier uh, before we got on the show, but. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel, and, and especially with the first three games this year, uh, qualifying teams for the Open Cup. It's mm-hmm. a it's another interesting wrinkle, and mm-hmm. the fact that two of them will be Eastern teams for. So just, this is something I'm not sure of. Like, do all teams play like open the season their first couple of games playing teams from opposing conferences? I don't think that's the case. I haven't. I'll confess, I have not looked across yeah. the league. No, I, I was just wondering if that like. was like something that it's was mostly, kind of in the. It's mostly in, within your conference this week. Which, like, makes it even more strange, I guess, than for, like, the Open Cup yeah. thing. Because you would think, like, oh, maybe they're – for whatever reason. Well, you know that the 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 conference matchups matter more, as we always yep. talk about. So, I guess you could say on a positive side for sporting, these are Eastern Conference games, the first two games at the Red Bulls and then the home opener against Orlando City. They still seem to mean more because they are uh, for entry to the U.S. Open Cup tournament this year. They're going to do it based off of your first three results. So for sporting, that's those two games I just mentioned, and then the game at Real Salt Lake on May 1st. Um, Carter, a thought on this Red Bull team? Hard to know, isn't to it? Know. What they're going to be as a I'm team like... this year? I think that's spot on. Hard to know. They yeah. got you know you you saw the new coach Stuber come in at the end of last season, and you know he got to to coach in the playoff game, but seems like he's starting to try and make it his team in this offseason. They got a bunch of guys coming over from Salzburg. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, they're using the family tree here, and, and mm-hmm. we'll see how many of those guys work out. Some young guys coming in. They just made the big move for Frankie Amaya, who had a decent uh, run with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, Ali, don't know what to expect out, uh, out of this team. Well, and, and in some ways that could be a positive thing for Sporting Kansas City to catch a, a team that's got all these moving parts early on in the season before they're able to really establish an identity and some cohesion for a team like Sporting that does have a lot of changes. They at the same time still have a lot of key pieces returning to this team. Vermees, of course, just you know having a, a longstanding culture in place. So if anything, that could be you know a good thing for Sporting, but it could also be a negative as well because sometimes a, a team that you know is just kind of 
doesn't have a lot on him, there's still a lot of unknown, that can, you know, be a strength in, in some cases. Yeah, you expect him to press, I think, with this yep. system that they have. They're going to come mm -hmm. flying at Sporting Kansas City to start this game, and I think a lot of this matchup is going to be determined by how well Sporting Kansas City deal with that pressure. Can some of the new pieces that, that have been uh, brought into Sporting KC acclimate well enough? Do they have that uh, cohesion to deal with the pressure? I think if they do that, they, they've got a good chance in this game. Interesting note as well, Kaku, who was their big signing a couple years ago, who seems to have been trying to get out of Red Bulls ever since. He got out of Red Bulls, and then he lost an arbitration case that says he's still technically under contract with them, even though he just scored a goal for his new team this week. So I don't know what that means. I'm not preparing to have to call his name I in the game. I don't believe he will show up on Saturday, but <laughs> I don't think we're going to deal with him. Sporting fans, not no. huge fans yeah, of Kaku. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course, last time he was he was here, we, we had a uh, one of our fans get injured severely because of his uh, irresponsibility so it's just an interesting note it i don't is. i don't know i've ever seen a story like that Wild i have in terms not of transfers yeah only in mls <laughs> <laughs> just... yeah. guy left playing for another team they signed him to a contract extension he sued them he lost his suit but he's playing for another team so yeah. I, I don't know that probably is something that's just going to get settled yeah. uh down the road but guys, here I'm, it is. Oh, I mean, here. how excited are you for game day? Well, one thing is that that arena is a fantastic one in MLS. Yep. So John Luca Busio was talking about that. He's excited. It was one of the few that he hadn't played in. That's right. And so I'm looking forward to. Uh, we're going to talk about in pregame, Nate, and, and highlight if Caden Clark's playing as well. These are yeah. two really touted youngsters. So uh, some two highly touted American youngsters on. The yeah, I, that's a name that I you know just in. Again, reading up on, on this Red Bulls team, that's a player I'm really excited to watch. Oh, that'll, yeah. that'll be he, a fun matchup. He was getting a lot of hype at the end of last season, and maybe more hype now than Busio's getting, so maybe a chance for Busio to remind everybody, hey, don't forget about this guy. And the guy that we saw so far in preseason in Busio could be a special guy. All right, our thanks to, to Carter Augustine, Ali Trost, Rob Thompson for joining us. Beard's running the show as always, and uh, we will see you next week to get ready for the home opener as Sporting KC will take on Orlando City, but this weekend it's against the Red Bulls. We've been brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. So long, everybody.